You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. morning. I am going to talk to you today about what happens when the king is on the scene. Amen. When the king is, this is Matthew 21, 1 through 16. That's Matthew 21, 1 through 16. And these five things come when, when the king is in the, on the scene. Praise, purification, prayer, power and perfect praise that's Matthew 21 1 through 16 verse 21 1 and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives then sent Jesus two disciples saying unto them go into the village over against you I know you've already heard this but we're going to say it again (laughs) against you and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her, loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. And all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. What happens when the king is on the scene? And with a great, very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strong them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and followed cried saying, Hosanna, To the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So our first discussion is about praise. He's worthy to be praised every day. Think about, I I think about every good thing that has come in my life. And it's all come from him. And he's worthy to be praised for it. You know, uh... You can't praise him enough. You know, I get up in the morning and I just say, thank you, Jesus. I woke up. I can walk. I have a sound mind. I have food in my pantry. I have the love of my life surrounding me. We just, you know, people say, well, I can't think of a bunch of things. Yeah, you can. It's just the simple things in life, you know. We can praise him all day long if you just think about it. Amen. You all know that the New Testament was first written in Greek because Dr. John has told you that. And the Old Testament was first written in Hebrew. Whenever the word Hosanna occurs in the New Testament, do you know what the Greek word is? Right, it's Hosanna. (laughs) All the English translators did what was used in the English letters, H-O-S-A-N-N-A, 
to make the sound of a Greek word. But if you look in a Greek dictionary to find what it means, you know what you find? You find that it is really not originally a Greek word after all. The men who wrote the New Testament in Greek did the same thing to a Hebrew word that, uh, that our English translators did to the Greek word. They just used Greek letters to make the sound of a Hebrew phrase. I know this sounds complicated, but it's really not. Our English word, Hosanna, comes from a Greek word, Hosanna, which comes from a Hebrew phrase, Hosanna. And the Hebrew phrase is found one solitary place in the whole Old Testament, Psalm 118, 25, where it means, save, please. It's a cry to God for help. You know, it's like when somebody pushes you off the diving board and you can't swim. Hello, (laughs) save me, Lord, (laughs) Hosanna, (laughs) amen. You know, I think it's very neat that our praise is intrinsically connected to our salvation. Isn't that awesome? I know some of you know this, but in 2002, I was very ill. I was very close to death, and I was misdiagnosed four times. Because I had so many symptoms, they could not figure out what was wrong with me. And uh, it was actually my chiropractor that figured it out. I'd gone to four medical doctors, and they just, they said, well, it's this, well, it wasn't that, well, it's this, well, it wasn't that. Anyway, long story short, uh, I finally got uh, referred to, to a neurologist, which I thank God for doctors, but, you know, they miss it sometimes also. And he was looking at my scans, and he goes, well, you know, your brain is just full of fluid, and I don't really understand why, but what we're going to do is we're going to put shunts in, and he's telling me all this. Well, I had no emotion at that time because everything was shutting down, but inside I was screaming, no, no, no. I knew he was wrong. I knew he was wrong. I didn't know how I knew it, but I knew he was wrong. Well, then in walks the neurosurgeon. Dr. Balagiri. If you ever need brain surgery, this guy is phenomenal. (laughs) He is one of the best in the nation, actually in the world. He's a wonderful man. And he came in and looked at the same scan with the neurologist standing there and said, here's the problem. She's got a cyst the size of a grapefruit in the middle of her brain. And the neurologist is going, where? He never saw it. You know, Balagiri, as far as we were concerned, was a genius. Because when John asked him, he says, well, what's the prognosis? And he said, full recovery. And the peace of God came on me. I mean, I knew he was right. I knew he was right. Like I said, he was a genius, and I'm grateful. But he helped me in this temporal life. But God saved my eternal life you know I've had different teachers in my life that had great influence on me when we went to Christ for the Nations uh, I took a class called deliverance believe me I needed it anyway (laughs) you know he taught me who my real father was because I didn't really know my my dad until I was 22 years old 
uh, I had seen him once or twice, but they were not good scenes. So, um, but he told me that God, that Jesus and God were my father. And I had a new bloodline. Didn't matter what my bloodline was in the, in the flesh, because that's not who I am anymore. Amen? So you just know, you know, it doesn't matter what your dad or mom died from. It doesn't matter what your brother got sick with. None of that matters. You have the bloodline of Christ in you now. And so whatever he has, we have. So just know, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. He's a doctor. He's not God. God has the last say, and so do you. It matters what you say about it. And um, anyway, so he taught me who my father was, and I bless his memory. He's in heaven. Pastor Jim Hester, who helped me through some of the toughest times of my life, and I bless his memory. But Jesus is the one. He's the one, the one and only who changed my life forever, for all eternity. You know, you have people in your life who are worthy of recognition, that have helped you overcome bad things in your life, you know, that are worthy of respect. You have people in your life who are worthy of honor, our parents, if nobody else. Amen. But none are worthy of your constant praise, like our Jesus. He is worthy to be praised above all else, because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, I heard Denzel Washington say one time, I hope you slide your slippers under your bed at night so that you start your next day looking for your slippers on your knees. So praise him in the morning, praise him in the noonday, and praise him all day long when the sun goes down. Amen. Matthew 21:10. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Can you imagine being there when this guy comes in riding on a donkey and people are throwing branches and saying, Hosanna to the highest? I mean, I just, I don't wish I was there. I would have loved to have seen it and had a peek at it, but I'm glad I'm here today. Amen. And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Number two is purification. You know, when the Lord gave you the Holy Spirit, you know, you have the right to walk in righteousness because when Jesus came into your heart, you became righteous. I don't care what your circumstances say or what you feel like. It doesn't matter. The truth is, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you can walk a holy life because we have a Holy Spirit inside of us. His first name's Holy. So, amen. <laughs> um, well, Dr. John is an awesome man of God. And I'm not prejudiced. You know, I'm just saying... <laughs> but, you know, God uses him at least five or six days a week to absolutely input things into people's lives that will forever change their lives and help them walk the kind of walk that they need to walk. He's a wonderful man. In fact, uh, Pastor Charles Neiman 
who is now our overseer since Pastor Jim went to heaven. Um, our son Brandon, he had taken him with him to Sydney, Australia, to Brian Houston's church, Hillsong. And so uh, Brian asked Brandon, he goes, so tell me your history. Who are you? And he said, well, I was raised in a pastor's home. And, you know, he just starts telling him. And Charles and Eamon goes, no, no. John Holler is a legend in Texas. Don't let him sell you short. So <laughs> he's a great man. But, but, here it comes. Dr. John's apartment in Dallas has to be purified every week. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm Jesus purifying the temple every time I go to Dallas and walk into that apartment. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. You know, men should not live alone. They just shouldn't. Men that live alone live like bears with furniture. Not a good thing. <laughs> Amen. And then Matthew 21, 13 says, And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Number three is prayer. You know, years ago, the Lord had asked me to lay my hands on people and pray for them. And I was willing to do that. But honestly, I, you know, I struggled with it because I said, Lord, what, what if they go ahead and die? I mean, what, what does that look like for me? Evidently, I don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, he just calmed my heart. And he said, it's not about you, Ann. It's about me. It's about me and the price that I paid for their healing. Whether or not they accept it, that's between me and them. And so when he told me that, I just thought, okay, it's not me, it's him. You know, and when I looked in the word and I saw where Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Did he ever kill anybody? No. Did he ever make them sick? No. Did he put cancer on them to teach them a lesson? No. no. He only healed them every time, every time. And so I could pray with confidence knowing that when I laid hands on people, he was going to heal them. It was his will to heal every time. And I want you to understand that. You know, you say, well, I'm not worthy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. This sickness is not from him. He didn't do this. It, it just enrages me that men of God stand in the pulpit and tell people that Jesus is teaching them a lesson and that's why they're sick and that's why they're broke and everything in their life is wrong. It's a lie. Jesus paid the price for all of that and we don't have to live with it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Prayer doesn't bring faith. It doesn't. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I need you to pray for me that I'll have faith. No. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Prayer is the vehicle by which you release your faith. God is so good. You remember Dr. John taught us recently a series called Spit. 
spit it out. 1 Timothy 2.1 I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. You know, that was another thing that the Lord taught me years ago, that when I pray, thank him. Thank him immediately and say thank you, it's done. Because it's like Dr. John says, he feels obligated then. Huh? You know, when somebody says thank you to you before you even do anything, you're going to give it to them. I know my grandkids are that way. Thank you, Nana, for that chocolate. Sure, have the whole basket. I don't care. (laughs) Their mother and dads don't appreciate it, but it's okay. When you're at Nana's house, everything that happens there stays there. Amen. Well, the S stands for supplications, and that's praying for your supply. We have needs. We live in this flesh on this earth, and so we have needs that need to be met. And how did he say he would meet those needs? Exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I can think real big. I don't know about you. (laughs) Amen. I've been looking for a house, and I've been thinking real big. Amen. And and I just have to tell y'all, when we went to the prophetic conference the other night in McKinney, Pastor Roxanne once again told me, that God was going to give me a house in Oklahoma to pay back for everything that had been robbed from me in Texas. So he's got to pay back real big. (laughs) All right, prayers. Praying common prayers, well-known Bible verses. It's very important when you pray for people to speak the word because there's life in the word. And when you pray those scriptures, you know, Jesus sent his word and healed you and delivered you from all these destructions. That's what he's done, and that's what he's going to do for your life. Amen? Then there's intercession. That's praying for others. I love to pray for people. I just, I hate to see people suffering because I know that's not God's will for any of us. And so I love praying for people. I I, uh, call people on the phone all the time. The Lord will bring somebody's name to me, and I'll just call them up or text them. You know, text them. Not while you're driving, but text them. <laughs> you know, I just say, you know, the Lord brought you to my heart today. He's thinking about you. It doesn't have to be a big prayer. You know, just whatever need you have in your life today, I'll just pray that it be met. So, you know, I love doing that. I love encouraging people because we live in a harsh world today. You know, I was talking with somebody the other day and I said, there's just no boundaries anymore. You know, used to, there were certain places you didn't go, especially in public, and say things that were not, that shouldn't be said. But nowadays, you know, you just see all this stuff, and I just, I want that to end. I want peace to come in Jesus' name. So pray for others. When, you know, when, if they come to your mind, it's not a coincidence. I want you to understand that. God put them on your heart to encourage them or pray for them. And lastly, we do thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, for what God's already done for you. This reminds you that God has a track record of answering you. Doesn't he? How many times have you just said, God, there is no way? But there was. He made a way. He made a way. And thank him in advance for what you have just prayed for. 
which greatly engages your faith. Amen. All right, Matthew 21, 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Number four is power. How many of you have ever prayed for something and believed God, and you got it? Look at this. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, several years ago, when we were pastoring in McKinney, Pastor John had preached a sermon, and um, then he just felt led by the Holy Ghost to have people come up and be prayed for if they had a need. Well, this one couple in our church, brought their, they had their baby in a stroller, and they brought him up there. And, um, you know, there's nothing like the compassion of Jesus coming on you. Because when that happens, good things happen. And they brought this little baby forward. And the doctors had told them that he had encephalitis and brain damage and that he would never be able to do anything in his life. I, I can't even imagine getting a diagnosis like that. You know, I, I mean, I know what it was like for me, and it was horrible. But as a parent, I just cannot imagine. And this was their first baby. And, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look you in the eye. His eyes were glazed over. He just laid there. It was just so sad. But Pastor John, when the compassion of God came upon him, he reached down and laid his hands on that baby. And his mother told me, she said, I will never forget when Pastor John did that, I could feel the heat coming from him, the healing power of God. And he laid his hands on that baby. And when he took them off, that baby looked him right in the eyes. Looked him right in the eyes. And they took that baby home. And that baby is now 10 years old. And he just got, amen. He's in the fourth grade. There's nothing wrong with him except he's a boy. <laughs> But he just scored the highest score on the star test in his writing. Isn't that amazing? Look what our God can do. The power of prayer. It's, it's just wonderful. When you are powerless, Jesus has the power. And he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But he came to give us the power to become the sons of God. You are the sons of God. You have the power of Christ residing in you. And no matter what situation you're facing, it can change that quickly. It can change that quickly. Our son Brandon told us about a story. He said one time, his oldest daughter, she was about five. And he said he was so sick. He said, I couldn't even get out of the bed. And she came in and she said, Daddy, she laid her hands on him, prayed for him. She's five years old, and she's walking out of the room, and she turns around, and she says, Dad, everything can change in a moment of time. And within moments, he was up walking, completely healed. Amen. A child, a five-year-old child that knows Jesus they're just as available as anybody else. I love when a child comes, just like when Savannah came up to me a few weeks ago. She didn't even know we had moved. She came up to me and she said, Miss Ann, God told me to tell you 
he found your house. So I'm just waiting. It's out there. <laughs> I wrote it down. I made it plain. So I know he's got it. He's trying to get people out of it, I think. You know, they're having to move them on. <laughs> Amen. All right. Matthew 21, 15. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple. Was that amazing this morning, all these kids? I just wanted to cry, especially when they were rolling off the <laughs> stage and picking. <laughs> I love kids. You never know what they're going to do. <laughs> Amen. Children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. And he said unto them, Hearest thou what they say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and suckling, thou hast perfected praise. Amen. Amen. I love to see children worship God. When we were pastoring in Thackerville, we've pastored a few places in case you hadn't figured that out. But that was our first church. It was our home church, and it was like boot camp. It really was. It was probably the hardest pastoring we ever did, you know, because this is John Boy there. So they just don't see you for who you are. And so that's probably the hardest thing to pastor your own church. But we did. And uh, so we were pastoring there. Well, we had an older lady in our church, and she called Pastor John one day. He wasn't Dr. John then. He was Pastor John. So uh, anyway, she called him, and she said, Would you go pray for my aunt? She's 90 years old. She's dying. And she's in the hospital. And so he said, Sure, I'll go. So he went. And uh, he, she was just basically bones, you know, just real tiny and skinny and real weak. She was so weak she couldn't even hardly speak. And so he just laid his hands on her and started praying for her. And he said, I don't know why, but I opened my eyes and I saw that little hand raise, that little skinny, weak hand raised up, worshiping her God. Didn't have the strength to talk. But she made a point to raise that hand and worship her God. And so John, you know, he finished praying for her and he left. Well, days went by and he never heard anything from the lady in the church. So finally, weeks later, he called her and he goes, whatever happened with your aunt? She goes, I forgot to tell you. She got healed. She went home. She's living by herself and driving her car again. <laughs> Hey, when you got to answer prayers, call and let us know it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> he thought he was praying her into heaven, but she wasn't ready for that yet. So, Amen. You know, perfected praise is that praise that you give, not for what he's done, but simply because of who he is. Because he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised from now through eternity for every blessed thing that you've received in your life. So what happens when the king is on the scene? We praise him. Purification comes. Our prayers work. There's power in our prayers, and there's perfect praise. 
All this happens when Jesus is on the scene. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He's right here. Isn't it good to know Jesus comes to church? I love that. (laughs) He's right here with us every time we meet, and he's with you everywhere you go. Let's stand up on our feet and praise him. Praise him for what he's done. Praise him for what he's done for you. Praise him for purifying your hearts. Praise him for making your prayers work. Praise him for the power of God in your life. Praise him for who he is. There may be people behind him, behind you praising. There may be people in front of you. And there may be people beside you. But you have to praise him. You have to praise him for yourself. Praise him. Praise him. But none of them can praise him for you. You need to open your mouth and praise him for yourself. Praise him for who he is. Who is he? He's the almighty one. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the bread of life. He's the bridegroom. He's the chief cornerstone. He's our deliverer. He's the great high priest and the good shepherd. He's the I am. He is Emmanuel, king of kings and the lamb of God, the light of the world and the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Messiah, the mighty one. He's your redeemer. He's the risen Lord. He's the rock. He's our savior. He's the son of man. He's the son of the most high God. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the word. He's the wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. Praise him today. Praise him today. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you for who you are in our lives and what you want for our lives because it's always good. We bless you today and we give you praise. And everybody said, amen.